So, it's uh, great to uh, have such a full house, if you include everyone who's in the beer garden. I reckon uh, this is one of our fullest ever houses that we've had, so that's, uh, that's wonderful. So, got our prayer requests, and I'm going to stick with the Lord Jesus, and uh, what I'm going to talk about the parable uh, of the rich fool, this foolish guy who is wealthy. So, uh, we shall come to that in due course. But for now, let's, uh, let's start with a prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for this beautiful day. And yet every day is beautiful for us in the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for him, for your work in our lives, and for our church family here. We pray you be with the children as they uh, have lessons with Cindy and Evia, that you help them and open their hearts to your son and to your way in this world. We pray, Father, you be with uh, Aaron, who we baptised yesterday, and please, Father, give us that peace that we seek in ourselves with you, and may that peace go out from us into this world. And give us love, true love, not, not a fake love, but the love that is modelled upon your love for us, that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son to die for our sins. And... We know, Father, that, again, as Paul says, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And we pray that that might mean something to us and that we might be influenced by him and his spirit. And so, Father, we bring before you the forgiveness issues that were raised and we do pray that you will help us up this uh, up the mountain, really, of forgiveness. We all find it so hard. We pray, Father, that you will help us to be able to reflect your forgiveness of us to others. So please do help us and guide us in our weakness. And help those thinking about being baptised, help them to decide to be baptised and to, to do it and to make that commitment to your Son. And we thank you that so many people are doing that. So, Father, please go with us and open our eyes now to the teaching of your Son. For his sake. Amen. Amen. Right, so one of the uh, most common issues that everybody's got is uh, worry and anxiety, particularly about money and about wealth and the future. And let's face it, that the, uh, the cool thing, as is thought in this world, is to have a great pension scheme with loads of cash there and you can just get to a point where you don't have to go to work anymore and you just sit back and have this amazing life. That's pretty well, I, I would say, the, uh, at the moment in society, the number one idea that you've made it. And if you sort of don't quite make it too well there, uh, oh, well, well, you didn't do as well as the other guy and all the stress, anxiety and so forth. And all this is so unnecessary. So... One out of the crowd said to the Lord Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, to divide there, we're reading a translation, of course, it means to split into two. Now, under the law of Moses, if a man died, then he left his inheritance to his uh, sons, and the firstborn had the double share. The firstborn had the double share. Right? And that is today still in Israel and the Middle East. The firstborn child gets the double share. Well, this guy says, tell my brother to cut the inheritance in two between me and him. The idea being 
that, well, he's, maybe he's got enough money, or, well, Dad really would have liked that, or whatever it was. So he's trying to get Jesus to, to come in there and, and muscle in and say, okay, you split what your dad had into two. Well, the older brother's going to say, no, but I'm the firstborn. I should have a double share. Well, the Lord said to him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said to them, take heed and keep yourselves from all covetousness, that wanting things. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So the Lord is sort of answering the question, as he often does with these questions he's given, by appealing to a higher level. He's saying, you want me to get involved in this row between you and your brother about who inherits what? Um, one minute, just don't be covetous because actually your life is not about the things which you've got and you, you've probably been involved at some point in your life in clearing out somebody's house who's died and it's always so sad look at all these things which maybe to them at one time meant a lot but now they are simply things and that was all their life consisted in yeah? you over here I mean you don't go around snooping on people's private conversations but inevitably in a pub or in a cafe you do overhear conversations so what are they about? they're about things about this car and this better car that I want to get and this and, and that thing and this item of clothing that I've got or whatever it might be uh, or I really wish that I could have this or that uh, there seems to be a spare chair there. Um, and, and that is what fills people's life. And that is all that people are. And if they lose their things, well, they are nothing. Um, if they have to go to prison, they lost everything for a bit. Terrible, but nothing. And um, that is where you see that actually personality, who you are before God as a person... Your person, your soul, if you like. That is what is so critically important. And the fact that, yeah, this life is like one millimetre compared to the eternal long line of God's kingdom. And what things I have now, or don't have, is nothing. This is not what life is about. That's what the Lord is saying. So maybe Dad had died and there were lots of things. There was a plough, there was a chariot. There was a horse, there was a pig, there was a sheep, or whatever things they had in those days that were so important. And the older son is saying, ah, but the double share goes to me. That's what the law says. And the, guys, the other guy's going, oh, come on, mate, you know, we are brothers after all. Come, let's just do 50-50. No, no, it's got to be more than that. No, no. And the Lord is saying, stop fighting about things. Because that is not what your life is about. And he spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he reasoned within himself saying, What shall I do because I don't have anywhere to store my crops? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones and there will I store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, okay, it's gone. But God said to him, You fool, this night they shall require your soul from you, and the things which you have prepared, who shall they be? 
So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So, first of all, God says, uh, sorry, Jesus says that this man is a fool. He's an idiot. And yet, humanly speaking, we'd say, oh, he was quite a cool guy. He saw that his ground was bringing forth abundantly. He was going to have a very good harvest, which for them was like wealth. And he's very wise. He says, yes, I'll build uh, bigger barns so I can store all this. And then I'm going to have a great life in the future. That's what people today would call wise. But uh, he's very cool. The guy who lives next door to me, he's a smart guy, you know. He, uh, yeah, he played his cards very nicely in life. And do you know what? He's on a pension of 50,000 quid a year inflation-proof until he dies. And he's paid for his house, and he's got this, and he's got that. Think, oh, cool bloke. What does Jesus say? He says, you're you're an idiot. He says, you fool. You fool. But let's just work it through a little bit more. Did the guy actually, actually build bigger barns? No. The ground brings forth plentifully. He notices, oh wow, all my plants are bushing up. Oh wow, there's going to be a big harvest this year. What shall I do? Because I won't have anywhere to store my crops. I know, I'll pull down my old barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll keep all the grain. Well, I don't think it actually happened that, oh wow, he's done the harvest and he's thinking, oh dear, I've got all this big harvest, um, what should I do? Oh, whoops, I better build a bigger barn. No, it's too late then. I think the snapshot, as it were, is taken of when the guy notices that the plants are coming on very well this year. And he thinks, yeah, there's going to be a big harvest. Ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, what I'm going to do before the harvest, before the harvest, I'm going to build bigger barns. And he keeps reasoning, it says, within himself. you got here the picture of someone's self-talk within their own head. And he thinks, yeah, I can just imagine. There are these bushes and these olive trees and this corn, this grain. Yeah, it's all going to, it's going to be a bumper harvest. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I'm going to, he keeps saying, and I will say to my soul, and he says within his own head, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get rid of that barn, I'm going to build a bigger one, and, well, yeah, and then in the future, well, yeah, I'm going to be good for the next few years. Bang, you're dead. This is before he does anything. That's how I read it. The ground brings forth plentifully, and then he's, we've got a picture of the guy's self-talk. Verse 17, he reasoned within himself. What shall I do? He's not talking to anyone else. It's a picture of a guy's self-talk. And this is what it is to be a Christian. To have a self-talk that is spiritual, that is godly. And so often, if you look through the Bible, it talks about this, about a person said in his heart, a person thought inside himself, a person thought this or they thought that. 
And I used to think that I, I was a bit crazy because I talked to myself until I realised that everybody talks to themselves. Right? That's what we all do. That is part of being life. We all talk to ourselves. And we often may have little fantasies. I don't mean you know, sex and all that. I mean, probably that as well. But you know what I'm saying is that you, you have sort of, sort of imaginary scenarios in your head that you, uh, that you imagine. Little scenarios in your head that you imagine that are, you know, just sort of fantasies, really. Um, it's that that you see God is looking at. Now, to put it another way, what we need is His Spirit, because the Spirit, well, the word Spirit has got a wide sense of meaning, but it can refer to the mind, to the heart, to how you think, to your Spirit. Now, you could say, what's the Spirit of church in a pub? What's the Spirit in this bar? Well, it's a mind, it's a feeling, it's a sense, you know. We are offered the Holy Spirit. And the essence of the Holy Spirit, I would say, is not necessarily miracles and all that. Where it starts with is your mind, is your spirit, is having his spirit, his mind in your head, basically. His thinking in your thinking. That is what it is to have the Holy Spirit. And then you'll find your self-talk changes and your fantasies change. Instead of just thinking about banal, sort of empty-headed things, you think, well, I wonder what it would be like if that guy over there was to get baptised and receive the Holy Spirit and be transformed. I wonder what it would be like if Dahl of Croydon became Christian. <coughs> Very difficult to imagine that. But, um, you know, I wonder what it would be like in the Kingdom of God. What would it be like to have a conversation with the Apostle Paul? You know, these are the sort of things you start thinking about instead of empty-headed fantasy about this, that and the other. Which is all part, I say, of the self-talk that is, you know, what it is to be human. <coughs> so the gift of the Holy Spirit is this gift, as Paul would put it, of the mind of Christ. Of what it is to think like him. And Paul says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is that important. Right, so... He says, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Interesting that he says the ground, because the idea is that the, it's the ground that is the gift from God. It's God that makes the, the thing grow. It's all from God. Absolutely, from God. That, that has, has made it grow. It's the gift from him. So... You, you're right, Cal. You need... yeah, she's got some more there. You'll notice all the personal pronouns. You'll notice all the personal pronouns there. He reasons within himself. He reasons within him. He reasons within himself, saying, "What shall I do?" Now, a personal pronoun is like I, me, my, myself. What shall I do? And I've put some of them in blue here. What shall I do? Because I do not have anywhere to store my crops. This will I do. 
I will pull down my barns, and there will I store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, like, hello, soul, <laughs> talking to himself. This guy is a narcissist. It's all about me, 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 all the way through. And in the essence, that is what the great adversary or Satan or devil is in our lives, the big me, I, the ego. This is the problem. It's all about me with this guy. And his plan was to pull down my barns and build greater ones. Well, in a barn, you keep grain. And he says, and there will I store all my grain. Well... I don't think they could actually store grain for very, very long. I don't think they could store grain for much more than a year or so. So the guy is sort of, um, well, I would say exaggerating how wealthy he's going to get. Because because he's saying that I've got this uh, bumper crop coming, so I need to build... These greater barns, well, barns are what you put grain in. Well, I don't think you can keep it for that long. In those days, it wouldn't have kept for that long. So he's running away in his own mind. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have so much grain, I've got to build these bigger barns, and then with that money, I'll be able to buy more goods, and then I'll need someone to store the things, the things that I buy. You know? um, so it's like a lot of people running away in fantasy about his own, his own wealth. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. So the guy is sort of congratulating himself. Well done, soul, well done. You know, tucking himself on the back. Now, of course, we uh, sort of, well, smile because we see it all in this guy. But, I mean, this is what is going on in the heads of people all over the world right now on a Sunday morning. But God said to him, You fool, this night they shall require your soul from you, and the things which you've prepared, who shall they be? And I think the idea is that the voice he's been listening to all the time has been his own voice, the voice of his own self-talk. He said within himself, he said to his soul, he's talking to himself, but now God says something. And of course the idea is, don't listen to yourself. Listen to God's word. You wonder why I keep pushing, you know, read the Bible for yourself. Because that is how to get God talking to you. Um, otherwise, you're just listening to your own, your own talk of your own desires and your own fantasies and your own silly little stuff. It's often said, oh, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Because you see people doing what feels good to them right now, this minute. Well, the heart, I'm afraid, tends to be deceitful. And um, if you do just what feels good, you'll end up like all the other losers. <laughs> Sorry, but like all the other losers <laughs> that, that society is full of, isn't it? You know, I wanted this. I wanted that. You know, it's just full of it. Let's face it. You go and preach in prisons and you meet a lot of very good people who just did something stupid, idiotic, in a moment. Because it felt good and because, well, I followed my heart and my heart told me to do that. Well, sorry, but you were wrong. And this is the thing, it, it, it requires humility to realise 
but actually we are not our own master. That, that voice within you is often, is often crooked. It, it is not straight. You need, you know, he's been listening to his own self-talk, but now God says to him, you fool. You guy who thinks that you're so smart, you're an idiot. This night they shall require your soul from you. And the things which you have prepared, who shall they be? Well, there's no mention in this guy's story of his family. And you may assume that he's a single guy, but someone who was wealthy enough to own at least one barn and some ground, all these people typically were in a family. Even if they didn't have their own kids, they belonged to some wider family. And that doesn't come into it, does it? I'm pretty sure that it would be assumed that, yeah, the guy did have some sort of family. He was located within some wider extended family. But they didn't even count because it was all about me, me, me. And so the question is, the things that you've prepared, well, whose shall they be? Um, well, yeah, it's going to go anyway to other people. So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God? Um, I think the implication is that if he had a big harvest, he should have used it for other people. There's a proverb in the book of Proverbs in the Bible that says that, that if you've got a big harvest, people will curse you if you don't share it. And if you imagine yourself living in a, a simple agricultural village society, that's how it would have been. If you have a, a huge harvest and store it all up for yourself, well, yeah, people don't like that. It's better to share it. And you've got all these super wealthy people there are, you know, Bill Gates and all, all these other guys, what they end up having to do, they end up having to give it away anyway. Because, I mean, if, you, if you're worth, you know, half a trillion dollars or whatever these guys are worth, what can you do with it, really? I mean, what can you do with those kind of figures? So even the guys who made it, you know, and, you know, young people, oh, worship these guys. Oh, I want to be the next Elon Musk. I want to be the next, you know, whoever it might be. Really? I'll say to my kids, really? You think these guys are cool? You really think so? You know? Because in the end, what can you do? So he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, in other words, because you can't take it with you, do not be anxious for life, what you shall eat, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, for the life is more than the food and the body more than the clothing. <clears throat> well, I think that um, this is really very challenging because he seems to be saying that God is going to provide your food and your clothing. God is going to provide. Consider the ravens, how they do not sow nor reap. They have no store nor barn. They're not like this fool with the barns, but God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And he goes on to say, and consider the lilies of the field. Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. So I take that as a promise that basic food and clothing shall be provided. If you go back to Israel in the wilderness, well, first of all, they were in Egypt, which is like the world, and then God brought them out of the world through going through the water of the Red Sea. 
And that represents us coming out of the world, out of Egypt, we get baptized, we go through the water, and then they came out the other side, not into the promised land, but into the desert. And their walk through the desert represents our lives after baptism between now and the time we enter the kingdom of God. The time we we come to, as it were, eternity. Now, while they went through the desert, God provided them with food and clothing. The manna, the bread, appeared every day. And they were given quail, like birds that came and settled down next to their tents. They were given water out of the rock. And we're told that the clothes they were wearing when they left Egypt never wore out. Their sandals didn't wear out for 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. And when the Lord teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, what he's saying is, just ask God for enough food for today. Just as people, uh, the Israelites in the wilderness, were given enough food for, for the day. But that is just so incredibly difficult to do. Because we all want more than that. We want more than food and clothes. I'm worried about pension. I'm worried about a future. I'd like a car. I'd like, um, or, you know, somewhere reasonable to live. I want to go on holiday. I want to have a nice phone. I want to have this. I want to have all these other things. But God has promised that he will give us food and clothing. Now, in my little life spending a lot of it in the poorer world, even in the poorer world, I have not, as King David said, I have not seen the seed of the righteous begging bread. In other words, God does provide basic food and clothing. I have not seen a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ literally dying from hunger, literally literally dying naked and just starved to death. Maybe I'm wrong. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. But I have not seen that. And I do read this as saying that God will provide for us his children. Now I don't mean for the world, but for us as believers. Our food and our clothing. And therewith, Paul says, we should be content. But it's very, very difficult. And I mean, I'm not preaching at you. I find it difficult myself. I find it difficult. I find it difficult. You know? I do about my pension when I get old, you know. Whoops. My own pension scheme. Oh, whoops. Um, you know, what's, what's the, you know. Oh, um, yeah. All these questions. Um, so I'm not, I'm not a great example to you. I'm just sharing with you our common struggle. I think we all have, to believe what it actually says here, that God is going to provide. And if he's going to do that, then I, you, we, we should just get on and serve him, because he's going to look after me. I'm not going to die on the streets of Croydon naked, because I don't have any clothes, and starving because I don't have any food. 
Some people are not believers, might, but the promise to believers is that we will not. So, what's my problem? What's your problem? What's anyone's problem? We're gonna, it's all going to be okay. But the problem is that we're like the rich man. We get carried, well, the would-be rich man. I don't know if this guy is rich or stupid. I, I don't know. Um, Jesus says he's stupid. But um, thinking, oh, what about this? What about that? It's very difficult. It's an absolute challenge to all of us. This is not a challenge to rich people, actually. I think this is a challenge to those who are thinking about about how they could structure their things to get super wealthy. As I say, the storyline is the guy notices that God is blessing his ground to produce really what looks like a, a bumper harvest and then the guy thinks, oh yeah, I've got a bumper harvest coming. Uh, I, know, I know what I shall do. I shall build bigger barns and then I'm going to have a great life for quite a few years. Bang, then you're dead. You fool. <coughs> he dies. It's as if, as I say, the snapshot is taken of him just at that moment. Um, in his mind, because the issue is your mind. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be smart. It's not a sin to be stupid. It's not here nor there. But the issue is, are you laying up treasure for yourself, or are you rich towards God? And as we know, the the wealth that God talks about, or the Bible talks about, is not material wealth. We read about the riches that are in Christ Jesus. The fact that you are saved. The fact that you are going to live forever. The fact that you are forgiven. The fact that you have the riches of his characteristics and his personality in your heart. Wow. The fact that you are friends with the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. The fact that he died for you. And in a very unique, special way, he did die for each of us. The simple fact that God loves us. That Jesus loves me. Because, as I keep saying, if you love somebody, you like them. You actually like them. You want to go their way. And you, you like them. You like the style, you hang around them. And that is how it is uh, with God looking at us. And we think, how could that be? A, a random, obscure little little thing on two legs like me, that God and Jesus should have so much interest in me. You know? How can it be? Well, that is the wonder of the love of God. And that is why we take the, the bread and the juice to keep on pull, pulling our mind back to this basic reality. That he does love me. That the Son of God did give himself for me. And he loved me enough that he died for me. And Paul says, if God gave us his Son, will he not therefore give us richly all things? If God gave us his Son, well, won't he... <laughs> if that's the biggest thing he could have given us, the blood of his Son, which we take... In simple, when we take that cup, that if we take that cup and you see in that his love for me, that this is the absolute riches of what he's given me. And Paul says, if he gave us that, it gives you anything. 
That was the hardest thing for him to give, and he gave it to us. And so if he's given me that, he will give me all things, absolutely all things. And so that is the challenge, really, of believing in the simple act that we are doing, that he died for me, that he gave himself for me, the Son of God loved me, and gave himself for me. And because he did that, I have got all things. I used to visit, when I lived in Eastern Europe, I used to visit a guy who had not lived a particularly smart life. And he lived in these uh, five-story apartment blocks that were all over the Soviet Union. They didn't have lifts in them. Five stories. And he was on the top floor. And he was dying of lung cancer, and his wife had left him and cleared off with someone else. And his, um, his daughter cleared off to work in some western country. She wasn't interested in her dad. And all his mates from work and from, from the bar, they didn't want to know him. And so this guy, this guy then is just on top of this uh, five-story apartment block with ten flights of stairs going up to it. And he couldn't go down to buy anything for himself. Social services didn't really bother with him. The guy was uh, really just dying, really, on his own. And a, a neighbour occasionally, occasionally came to help him. But he was almost dying of starvation and of neglect. And the place stunk, absolutely stunk. But I baptised him before he... Well, when he started to go down. And it was a wonderful thing going to see him. It was just full of joy that Jesus loves me. Stupid, idiotic little me. In my, you know, top floor block that no one's you know, interested in me, but someone is. My sir, I'm so sorry for you about your... Um, your daughter and about your wife and about this and I would go through all the hard things for him and say I'm so sorry for you, I'm so sorry for you and he said that's alright I have got Jesus I have got Jesus and that's the thing this is Paul's logic if he has given us the blood of his son will he not freely with him give us all things nothing else is too hard, nothing else is too difficult so For those of us who have been baptised into the Lord Jesus, you see, we've made that commitment to him and he has also made that commitment back to us. And if you haven't been baptised into Jesus, just do it. You know, come back to our place this afternoon or any time and we do it in the bathtub in the nice weather, we do it in the uh, paddling pool um, out in the garden. But, um, you know, do it. No one who's been baptised into him has ever regretted it, has ever lamented it. You might regret joining a certain church or denomination. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I see that, all right. Uh, plenty of it, but uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about baptism just solely into Jesus. He is the one who will not disappoint. He is the one who will not turn out to have feet of clay. And you think, oh, it's all wonderful. Honeymoon period, it's all great. And then, oh, whoops. No. So, The story links back to this guy who comes to Jesus to start with, as we saw, saying to him, just shouting out of the crowd, 
Um, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. I want more of the inheritance. And Jesus says, your life doesn't consist in the things that you have got. And then verse 20, um, you fool, this night they shall require your soul from you and the things which you've prepared, who shall they be? You know, it's almost as if Jesus is possibly replying to the guy by saying, oh, your father was wealthy, was he? And he just stored it all up and now you and your brother have got it and are squabbling over it. Well, your father was a bit of a fool. Possibly that's what he's implying. I don't know. Rather rude if he is, but possibly so. He, whatever, he's saying to the guy, look, look on another level. You're squabbling with your brother about the inheritance. Look on another level. And this is the thing for us. All around us, people are squabbling in their own minds or with other people about things. I want this. I dream of having that. Why can't I have one of those? You know? And Jesus is lifting the whole thing to his higher level. You've got everything. Be rich towards God. And this is the appeal to us. All this stuff that fills people's minds fills their lives because their lives consist in the things that they possess that's down here and the Lord is saying I want to take you to another level verse 23 the life is more than the food and the body more than the clothing what does he mean by the life and the body I think he means the eternal life and the body which you will receive is worth more than the clothing you're now wearing Philippians 3 Paul says that our body shall be changed into a body like his, that's Jesus, like his glorious body. So we will actually exist, as I see it, in a bodily form. God, in my opinion, is corporeal. That is, he has some kind of bodily existence. He's not a cloud, he's not electricity, he's not he's floating. He's an actual personal being. God is a personal being. So is the Lord Jesus and we also will be persons in God's kingdom. But not as we are now. This body shall be changed. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Talking about the resurrection of the body. We shall be changed. And we shall be given what he calls an incorruptible body. But a body. That's a great thing. That we will recognize each other. That I will see Junior, Spiros. I will see Beatrice. And you will see me that the relationship that we have now will continue eternally on this far higher level. And so Jesus is saying, look, the life, the eternal life, you're going to live forever and ever and ever. So don't get caught up about the food. Oh, why can't I afford to go and eat at an expensive restaurant at least uh, three times a week? That's not fair. I expect more out of life than that. And the body, that wonderful body, that we shall be given a body like unto his glorious body. That's more than clothing. Oh, how I wish I could buy that um, 500 quid blazer, or whatever it might be, that suit um, that we, we think is so cool. Uh, if only I had that. Oh, wouldn't it just be great? Look, the body that you're going to get is far more than clothing. It's not even, as Paul says, not even worthy to be compared. This light affliction, which is but for a moment, is not worthy to be compared with the glory, the eternal weight of glory, 
that shall be revealed in us. That's really how it is. So, let's take this bread and wine, bread and juice, which is, maybe guys, you can start to pass it round. Would somebody like to stop, Maria, maybe you can pass it round. Because this is the life. When he says the life is more than the food, this is the life. Now the idea is, oh, I've got all this uh, wealth, I can have this smart car, this beautiful house, I can have beautiful clothes, this is the life. But no, the real life is the life with God, is the eternal life. The life is more than the food. And the body. You know, people are so caught up about bodies. What looks nice, what appears, you know, presenting yourself nicely. The body is not this thing that we got now. The body is that glorious body which we shall be given when the Lord returns. And that is worth more than all the clothing and all the, all the stuff that there is. So, let's lift ourselves to that higher level. Not like this guy squabbling with his brother. Ah, oh Lord, I want to have a 50-50 split on the inheritance, not the firstborn getting the double share. I don't want that. And the Lord is lifting him right up to this far higher level. So, when the uh, cups have all got spread around, and it's great to have such a full house. We had to pour out more cups today, so that's great. Um, We'll give thanks for the bread and the uh, and the cup. Right, um, uh, Kevin, would you like to give thanks for the? Uh, well, can you, can you give thanks for both the bread and the cup? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord God, for this moment, Lord God, as we're taking communion, Lord God. I pray that you bless the bread and the wine as we commune with you and one with another. I pray that you bless us, touch us, heal each and every one of us. And draw us closer to you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So the bread is the symbol of the body of Jesus. And the cup is a symbol of his blood. So this is the life. This is the life. The life with him. Not the life of Riley. Not the life as... Uh, People like to see the building of bigger barns and the rest of it. This is the life. So we're going to um, give thanks for the food, which we do believe by faith is going to appear. Um, but again, if anyone wants to be baptised, come talk to me or Spiros or Maria or Cindy or anyone. And you're welcome to come back to our place and, uh, and do it. So let's just give thanks for the food. Um, Spiros, would you like to give thanks for the food? Our Heavenly Father in Heaven, so loving and kind, came down back to the earth to be with us, Father, for you have not left us alone. And we give you thanks for so many blessings in our life. And we give you thanks for the food that we're all about to eat. May nourish our bodies and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.